At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. We've all been there. We go to the doctor with a medical issue, they write us a prescription, and we swing by the local pharmacy to pick it up. But have we really talked to our doctor about why we are prescribed that medication or what else it can do? The package inserts on medications these days read like a laundry list of potential side effects. How do we know which would be more common than others? Which should cause more of a concern? Navigating the novel-sized medication labels can cause a headache in itself, but did you know there are resources available? I had the pleasure of hosting a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live that dove into this very topic. It was a great discussion with experts, including Dr. Lee Joe Joes, who's a family medicine physician at Baptist Health Primary Care, Dr. Dana Jacobs, a primary care medicine and wellness physician at Lynn Women's Institute, and Sarah Pinella, the manager of pharmacy ambulatory care. Let's hear their breakdown behind the labels. Lee Joe, let, let's dive into the subject, because I think it's one as all clinical providers we deal with on a regular basis. So you know, routinely we prescribe medications to our patients and we expect the benefit of being on the medication. How, how do we and how does the individual deal with potential side effects? How reliable are the package inserts they get? What, what do you generally do when you're giving a medication to either anticipate or provide for side effects? And what are the more common ways your patients can question they have a side effect? So that's a, that's a very important question. So essentially with when you're looking at a medication, you do get a package insert. It's, it's usually going to be a very long, very small font, laundry list of different side effects. And now it's a, it's hard to digest that information. We don't know, you know, there's no real information on it, whether one patient had that side effect or a million did, right? So we don't know the studies and there's no real um, evidence in there to tell us that. So it's very important that you discuss it with the physician and your pharmacist as what your expectations should be on the medication. So when you see the doctor, we are going to discuss essentially why we're putting you on this medication, what are the expectations? Obviously, they feel a little bit better, right, for whatever illness that you are being treated for, but also for potential side effects. If you're experiencing them, you should know what to look out for. When you put a patient on a medication, which Mm -hmm. again, of course, we do uh, routinely, um, do you take part of the conversation saying, I'm giving it to you for this reason, you may feel this, let me know if you do, or, or et cetera? Is that something that does come up in your conversations routinely? Absolutely. You, ha- you have to, patients should know that what they're taking this for, each medication, what to expect the good outcomes and potential bad outcomes. And they should know what to look out for. So we know, and you know, to let the physician know, the pharmacist know that, hey, I am experiencing a side effect we need to switch to an alternative medication. Dana, um, following along on that, we know that everyone's different. Um, so because one person reacts to a medication in a positive or negative way, doesn't mean another person would. My practice all the time, I don't want to take that medication. My friend had X, Y, and Z on it, which you know doesn't necessarily mean that their friend really had the reaction and they will. Um, so you know, is it possible when people take medications, what, what generally do you see from their experience? Is it more common there's a side effect than not? Uh, when side effects do occur, are there more common side effects that you might see across the board? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Every patient is different and every patient will experience a medication differently or in their own way. Um, the things that, have, that uh, the factors that play in there usually are the patient's, patient's factors themselves. So like their age, their underlying medical conditions, um, what other medications or supplements they're taking. And then just, you know, for whatever reason, different medications will work differently in different patients. Um, you know, anytime we take a medication, it is a calculated risk. We as doctors are hoping that you'll have all the benefit and none of the side effects, but, you know, probably it's going to be somewhere in between. Um, you know, just to explain the, the, the way we get that long list of side effects that comes with the package uh, when you pick up your uh, prescriptions from the pharmacy, um, that comes from clinical trials when we are, when companies are bringing their medications to the FDA and trying to get FDA approval, they have to go through clinical trials to prove that their medications are both safe and effective. And in those human trials, they actually have to record every symptom that every patient, whether they're on, they're on the medication or the placebo, they have to record all of those symptoms. And that list goes on to the list of side effects, possible side effects. And that's why it is such a long and exhaustive list. And that's why it's important to talk to your doctor and ask them what side effects they've seen. You know, what have other patients had when they take this medication? Keeping in mind, that's not necessarily what you're going to experience, but it might give you an idea of things to look out for. My recommendations to patients is to ask your doctor what to expect when you're taking the medication, positive and negative, and ask them what to do if you do have a side effect. I, I love that advice. And I love that experience because, again, the package insert is not necessarily to give information to the person taking the medication. It's a regulatory component. But as you said, anything anyone complained of while taking the medication in trials gets puts in there. It doesn't mean it was from the medication or not. And that's why I always challenge the patients to look at it critically. It's like a horoscope. You see what you want, but it'll say medications may cost like anorexia, comma, weight gain. Well, do you gain weight or lose weight? Or insomnia, comma, sleepiness. Well, does, are you, so people see what they see, but obviously... Um, it's not necessarily from the medications. Go speak to your doctor. And, and to that end, let me turn it over to Sarah. Sarah, first, if you can explain what the role of the clinical pharmacist is, which I think is a very powerful role in support of part of our, as part of our care teams, to be able to answer these questions as well. And then secondly, what can one do to, let's say, decrease potential side effects, whether that's an awareness component or activities to do so? Yeah, Jonathan, no problem. So as pharmacists, part of, we're part of the care team, just like your nurses, your doctors. We are the medication experts. So we look at the medications and we see what you're on. We try to optimize it, decrease those side effects that might occur with other medications. We try to make it as easy as possible for those patients while being effective. Um, so we come in as those experts in that area. When it comes to side effects, though, as Lee Joe and Danum did describe, they're kind of, you know, all over the place. Some are more common, some are not. And a lot of it has to do with the way the medication works itself. So as the medication is kicking in and starting, some of those side effects might start occurring. But as, re as I recommend, continue on those medications, the side effects typically tend to go away on their own. If they don't, it might be a conversation with you and your prescriber or even your pharmacist to look at alternative therapies, to look at decreasing the dose of the medication, um, and to see what else we can do to help you avoid those side effects moving forward. 
Would there be any particular side effects that would warrant the person immediately a stopping the medication and b uh, even calling the doctor or doing something urgent? Yeah, I think that that is medication to medication specific or whatever you're taking. So I think when you are are starting a medication, that's a really good question to ask your pharmacist or your doctor to say, is there one particular one that um, I should be on the lookout for? You know, I think things might not seem like a big deal. You know, I'll give an example with a medication we use for cholesterol, you might feel some muscle soreness. To you, that might not be a or feel like a big deal, but to us as clinicians, we know that's probably a bigger side effect we need to be aware of. So those are really good conversations to have with your prescribers to talk about what to look out for with your new medications. Um, Lee Jo, um, let's talk a little bit, because again, part of this purpose is to educate the viewers regarding some of the terminology, package insert, FDA approval. So let's talk a little bit about what we can call off-label indications. And describe a little bit what that could look like, what the what the what the concerns would be, and again, the benefit of speaking to a doctor. Uh, example would be a lot of press right now about medications which were designed to help diabetics control their sugar, but might help people lose weight. So, of course, we have people coming in saying, "I want to lose weight. Can I be on that medication?" Even though that might not be what it's for um, at present. Can you talk a little bit about um, uh, off-label indications, positives, negatives, and then? why people should not necessarily rely on a pill, of course, the things where lifestyle can come into play. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, there is this new class of medications, the diabetic drug we've been using for years. And as a side effect, it does cause weight loss. And over the past year or two, we have been seeing more press coming out saying that this is the new, you know, miracle pill to lose weight. But as we mentioned earlier, every single medication has benefits and risks, right? And we are trying to mitigate that and get more benefit versus less risk. Um, some, if we're using it for off-label indications, that basically means that the drug has not clearly had an FDA approval to be used for that specific intention. However, they might be in the process of applying for it. Um, so it's not necessarily saying that, you know, we're using an alternative medication for something that we're not um, intended to use it for. Um, every single medication needs to be very individualized to the patient. So that's the thing with any medication. This might be used for diabetes at one point, but in another patient, it could be used for weight loss. Um, it's the side effects. We sometimes we have to take advantage of them, right? And we're trying to just really pick out the best medication for the job. But goes back towards do it under the guidance of your doctor the clinical exactly. pharmacist, because the unintended consequence might not be thought, I want to lose weight, but it can cause X, Y, and Z, arrhythmias, exactly. or, or hurt the kidneys and stuff. So always with those physician um, um, recommendations and dialogue, I think is the, the take-home point. But uh, very well said. Um, Sarah, another, I mean, I'm sorry, Dana, this is directed at you. Uh, another commonly used prescription medication would be birth control. And a lot of times birth control pills can be used for other indications, menstrual pain, regulation and stuff. Um, talk a little bit about from your experience, both your, your recommendations and management um, regarding, the, regarding the benefit and, and potential other uses of birth control pills. Again, since they're so widely prescribed and it's an example of how they might be indicated for a certain reason, but they can benefit others. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, you know, birth control pills, um, the most common side effect from those is uh, breast tenderness, nausea, and um, an irregular period. 
Um, the majority of those symptoms will work themselves out within the first month or two. So if you just stay on it, keep taking it, it will stop. Those symptoms will stop. And if they don't, you know, your doctor may want to change the dose or the formulation of how you're taking it. Um, and that will usually resolve the problem. Um, as far as serious side effects, you know, when we talk about side effects, we talk about common side effects and serious side effects. Common, you know, a good drug, common, common side effects are mild and serious side effects are rare. So the serious side effects of birth control um, are blood clots. Um, hormonal birth control does increase your risk of blood clot three to five fold, which sounds like a lot. But when you look at the underlying risk to women of that age and non-pregnant, having a blood clot, the risk um, in the general population is actually very low. So it's like one in 10,000. So if you increase that five-fold, that's five in 10,000. Um, so blood clots are a serious side effect, but they don't happen very often. Um, and that's, you know, there are certain populations where uh, blood clots are more uh, more opt to happen, such as women who are over 35 who smoke. Um, and that's why hormonal birth control is really not for everybody. Um, but we do use hormonal birth control for a lot of things now. You know, we're, we are using it for polycystic ovaries. We're using it for, um, you know, acne. We're using it for regulating periods. We're using it for perimenopausal syndrome. Um, so lots of things. Uh, so I think how you how you um, articulated your response was 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 brilliant, and I think it brings home a couple of bigger points uh, to 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 speak. Which is, a lot of people will lead about like, well, doesn't it cause blood clots? And they don't start with, well, what's the benefit? And then by talking to your doctor versus going online or et cetera, you're able to say yes, but this is the numbers. This is the likelihood anything can happen to anyone. And then I'm sure you and your patient are able to come to that joint decision to say, here's a medication we'll use understanding what potential side effect is, but the likelihood is less than the benefit of taking that medication. Absolutely right. And I would presume that's done by all of you guys across the board, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole patient-centric approach. So Sarah, um, a little complex question to you. I'm saving the best ones for you in that sense. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of use of over-the-counter medications and patients will go directly to a medication for a headache or sinus congestion with, with, with relief. The first question is, is that good? Are there situations where you as a clinical pharmacist would feel comfortable saying, just go treat yourself? Or even that, do you think it's best if they talk to the pharmacist or talk to the doctor beforehand? And then secondly, as a little part of this, what's the difference between a prescription medication, an OTC, over-the-counter medication, and maybe even throw in what's a supplement? Each of those have specific designations based on regulatory oversight and safety, Co. Yeah, so let me tackle that first question. Um, you know, over-the-counter medications are there for a reason. They're there to help you. However, again, it's not without risk. You, you know, there are people who have underlying conditions that we have to take into account. So I always recommend talking to a pharmacist if you're over at, you know, any of the pharmacies and ask them, is this something I'm able to take? Because the pharmacist might, pharmacist might ask additional questions to ensure that it is safe for you to use. And if you're not comfortable with the pharmacist that you're at, you can always talk to your prescriber as well if you just came from your, your doctor's office. I would also recommend to always read those labels very carefully. Sometimes medications will say, let's just say Tylenol 
Um, but then it has other components in there that might not be really great for your underlying condition. So it always, it's always great to make sure that what is in that medication is in what you're intending to take. The other thing is you always want to treat whatever symptoms you have currently. So if you have, let's just say, a runny nose, you want to try to just treat the runny nose and maybe not um, runny nose and cough because that other component might be something you don't need to take at this point that is going to be helpful and it's just an added medication that's unnecessary. So to go to your second question is what is the difference between prescription, over-the-counter, and supplements? It's actually very, it's a pretty straightforward distinguishing factor. So with prescription medications, it does require a little bit more monitoring and, and has maybe some risk benefit concerns where there might be a little bit more risk that we want your provider to keep tabs on you to make sure that everything is going well while you're taking those medications. Over the counter, maybe a little bit more, little bit less risk, but it's not without risk still. You still have to be very careful when taking those over the counters and to ensure that there's no drug interactions and things of that nature. Um, you want to be careful with that, um, with over the counters. Supplements, I know, you know, a lot of people think supplements are free of any risk and it, it's natural and things of that. And what's interesting about supplements is they're not regulated at all. Um, and they actually cannot uh, claim any medical benefit. So if you ever hear a commercial, they'll say, this is for gut health, but it will never tell you this is to help stomach pain. So it, it's very interesting um, how supplements are, are worked on. And if, if you really do feel like you want to take a supplement, I very highly recommend talking to a pharmacist or your provider before taking any, especially if you're on other medications. Supplements are not necessarily inert. They can affect your absorption of your other medications, lots of other concerns. So again, well said. I always um, think about, again, in the over-the-counter market, how a lot of it is medications that have been around a long time but at lower doses, hence safer. Ibuprofen, for example, in my day, 800, 1200 milligram tabs were the norm, over-the-counter, it's 200 milligrams. Take six of them, and now you're back up towards you know, a potential dangerous dose. And I think many of us would feel if aspirin were a new product, it probably would never be allowed <laughs> to be over-the-counter based on you know, stomach issues and, and uh, bleeding and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, a, lot of them are, a lot of them are grandfathered into the over-the-counter um, right. sections. So, yeah. so speak to the pharmacist, speak to your doctor. Don't be cavalier about just grabbing things off the shelf. Um, back to uh, Lijo. Um, Pain, you know, major reason people go to doctors, go to emergency rooms and take medications. Tell us a little bit what, what we go through as doctors when A, we have someone in severe pain, what our considerations would be before starting, let's say, a, a narcotic. And then secondly, is there any general recommendations you would have regarding people self-treating pain with over-the-counter drugs? Obviously, intensity of pain, et cetera, would come into play. Speak a little bit how you approach um, the more common um, how you would approach treating and recommending medications for uh, you know more common pain complaints? Well, so the way I usually approach it is first you have to you know individualize it to the patient. Now, I, I always like to um, effectively just maximize what we can get done without using narcotics. So if we can, we try different approaches in terms of physical therapy. We can do over-the-counter medications, um, pain medications like ibuprofen, we try to maximize that out. Now, with these other alternative approaches, different holistic things, um, 
we don't, there's no real way to determine how effective it will be immediately versus something like a narcotic. We know the science behind it and it will be effective for the pain. So in terms of the patient, like I try to ask them to essentially do everything that they can do to help minimize their pain. And when you pretty much squeeze out as much as you can out of your own body, I will come in and I can help give you something that's maybe a little more effective that will, you know, be a little bit better controlled um, for you. Um, as we noted, it's complicated, but I like what you said, which is for you. You're going to individualize the approach based on that person's needs and pain thresholds and, and other medical conditions, which I think is important. So again, speak to your doctor, speak to your, your pharmacist. Um, Dana, touch on, let's touch on something again, um, uh, I think fairly common. We mentioned a medication that might also make people lose weight. Let's turn it around. What's your experience, thoughts? What do you see with your patients regarding those looking for that magic weight loss pill? Watch late night TV. And of course, there's lots of ways to separate people from their money to make those promises. Um, where do you see any value, if any, and uh, concerns, if any, regarding supplements or things purported to help people lose weight? Yeah, that's a great question and a really important topic. Um, so there are a lot of products out there that are for weight loss, but of course they don't use the word weight loss. They use things like, you know, fat burning and things like that. Um, those products fall under that title of supplements and, you know, supplements are different than medications. You know, we talked earlier about the medications have to go through the FDA approval process and they have to prove that they are both safe and effective. Supplements are not overseen by any government agency, not the FDA, not anybody. They don't have to prove safety and they don't have to prove efficacy. So just because the bottle says that it does something and the salesperson in the store says, yes, of course it works, it's safe, don't worry. They don't really know. They, you know, the company doesn't necessarily know. So I generally don't recommend um, weight loss supplements or any of that stuff. Um, really because I don't know what's in it and I don't know if it works and I don't know if it's safe. And I love that thinking and I appreciate that comment because we all live that, which is if there was something safe and cheap that helped people lose weight, why wouldn't we embrace it? Why wouldn't we say, sure, take it. There's no, you know, there's no negative to the doctor. If there's something effective, we don't you know, have an incentive to give medications or whatnot, but there's that, you know, that, that manipulation of the desire to lose weight simply um, that leads to a lot of that. And again, safety becomes an issue even more so than just spending money. Sarah, speak a little bit regarding um, um, the importance of reading the directions on a prescription label, how it's taken with, without food time of day, uh, contraindications or stuff. So the question is, are the recommendations put in a level important? So I'd like to speak towards that and, and are they accurate? Yeah, so they are very accurate. Um, you know, when they say don't take this medication while drinking alcohol, there is a reason. It's not that we don't want you to drink alcohol and not take a medication. Typically, it's because there might be a side effect that you, an, an additional side effect, I should say, that you may experience while drinking alcohol and taking a medication at the same time. Uh, we're not trying to be hard on you or make it less fun. Um, but that's really what it is. You know, other things, something that you might commonly take on your day-to-day -day basis, where if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, those medications are, are really at risk of for your child that you're growing or feeding with your body. So I think those are some of the things that we really have to take into consideration when starting medications. So it is very important. Um, they do list it in, in terms of 
the importance and what it is. And especially with over the counters, they do have kind of more straight to the point what you need to do with those medications. Dana, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, the question is, can you stop taking prescription medications before a recommended time? And I'll ask you to speak to the, uh, the analog to that was, is it okay for me to stop my medications on my own? So, uh, you know, different medications are different. Um, so let's say antibiotics, usually they're given for a specific infection and they're given for a specific and usually the least amount that we can get away, for, uh, away with as far as time is concerned. You should complete the antibiotics unless you're having some really strong side effect that uh, you can't tolerate it. You should go ahead and complete it even if you feel like you're getting better. Um, medications such as like antidepressants, those are medications that sometimes, especially if you've been on them for a long time, that you will kind of feel a side of, well, you will feel a, uh, you'll feel a change. Your, your body will go through a real change when you go from taking it every day to suddenly not taking it. So those are things you probably shouldn't just stop on your own. You should talk to your doctor. Usually what they'll do is talk to you about tapering off, but they'll, you know, you also should make sure that it's time to come off of those medications. Um, things like blood pressure medications and cholesterol medications, you know, in general, not always, but in general, those are medications that we give um, that you'd stay on for a long time, unless you're making major changes, major lifestyle changes, losing weight, changing your diet, all of that. Generally, those medications you should stay on um, until your doctor says, hey, look, maybe it's time to come off. But those are generally medications you should stay on. I appreciate that as a cardiologist. They control the situation. They decrease the risk. So like you said, if nothing's changed, you're going to be on them because the problem will always be there. But if you make a lifestyle change, that will give an opportunity to get off of them. Um, Lee Joe, last question to you. How do I know if I have an allergy to a medication? Common things to look out for is um, what, you know, the allergic reaction you're having. Is it a rash? Are you, and then you have to look at it with a temporal relationship of the medication that you took. Usually with a allergic reaction, it will be immediately following taking a medication. So that you'll start a medication, you'll immediately have a reaction within that same time frame. Um, usually we, will switch you to a different medication. That's, and that's why you have to speak to your uh, physician about it, right? Sometimes the rash might be, again, just another symptom of another illness. Um, but if you were to take that medication again, it'll probably recur. And that's how we know it's usually an allergic reaction and we'll switch you to a different alternative. A great conversation for our listeners that hopefully cleared some of the confusion behind the labels and will guide you in future conversations with your doctor when it comes to prescribing medications. To our listeners, if you have a comment or suggestion for future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.